who's there? D&D, of course, with Excuria International. D&D, as in do not disturb? Oh, now, this is Discourse and Disclosure with ECI. Oh, you mean the one that's hosted by Ananya and Romit? Bingo! episode of D&D. I, Ananya Agrawal, am co-hosting this episode with Ramit Sarkar. A warm welcome on the show. Today, we have with us our esteemed guest, Mr. Pranjal Sinha. Pranjal is the co-founder and CEO of Sama, a leading online dispute resolution service provider. Pranjal is an alumni of the National University of Juridical Sciences in Kolkata. He is also a JAMS fellow, in fact, the youngest recipient of the award in India. A mentor and a very dear friend to me personally. Hello, Pranjal. In the beginning of the ECI journey, really looking forward to an insightful conversation here. Thank you very much, Pranjal, for joining us here today. Uh, my name is Romit. I'm the co-host of this podcast, and we're very privileged to have you with us. And to our audience at large, uh, please note, though, that Pranjal is only a co-founder. So if you want to hear more about Pranjal and his initiatives, you need to stay subscribed to us. More people, more episodes coming soon. And with that, I'd like to begin with asking Pranjal the first question for the day. I understand, Pranjal, that this interest in mediation and ADR in general developed quite early in college. And one of the first ways this was expressed in a concrete fashion was the launching of the Indian Mediation Week. Yeah. Now, I'm sure a Mediation Week does a lot in terms of expanding access to justice. Could you tell us more about this initiative and what it's been doing. Right. So thank you, Roman, for that question. And extremely pertinent question to our journey uh, of online dispute resolution. So uh, taking a step back from Indian Mediation Week, when we launched the online dispute resolution platform in 2015, uh, which had all kinds of ADR services, whether it's mediation, negotiation, arbitration, in an online platform, with specific focus on mediation, we thought it was a very accurate solution for the problem of pendency in India, right? India has more than three crore cases pending in the courts. It will take us more than 464 years to clear the backlog of cases. Every case goes for an average of 36 to 48 months. So we thought in that kind of a system where the judiciary situation is so bad, an alternative like online mediation will be really relevant and effective for the general public of India. But for some reason, when we launched the platform for the first two years, which is 2015 and 16, we didn't get a single case. And that was quite appalling for us because we were not able to connect the dots. The demand is there. The supply is here. Why are we not able to meet the supply and demand? And then we, as we engaged with the general public, we identified that the demand side is not even aware of the existence of mediation services. There was a survey done by Dutch, which is an NGO based out of Bangalore. They surveyed around 10 lakh litigants in India. And they found that 54% of the people in India are not aware of the existence of mediation services. They think it is meditation, or they think it is arbitration, or they think it's Lokadalit. So that lack of awareness was tremendously there. And I think that was the challenge which Indian Mediation Week wanted to tackle. Because Mediation Weeks, again, which is not a very unique or novel concept, very uh, prevalent in foreign countries such as US, American Mediation Week, UK, the Civil Mediation Week, Australian Mediation Week. 
and these mediation weeks have really helped in promoting a culture of mediation in these respective countries so we thought indian mediation week will also will play the same role and help in creating sensitizing and promoting the culture of mediation in india and with that intent we started mediation week and it was a bottoms up approach where we used to go to the streets distribute mediation pamphlets and tell people about mediation it started in uh, calcutta chandigarh with one mediation awareness drive with some two three volunteers gradually over a period of time it got support from the judiciary supreme court justice madan lokur who was the head of the supreme court mediation consolidation project committee then he gave his support and he said that all law schools across india should incorporate this model and law students should do mediation awareness drives so in 3 years from one city we have moved to 102 cities across india from three volunteers to 4000 plus volunteers across india with a single with a single intent of promoting mediation india it has become like a mediation movement with a very strong belief on the motto which we have it's an hindi motto which, which means suljhao magar pyar se which is resolve amicably and with that intent in in the heart we wanted to this campaign has been running that's a very interesting response and something really caught my attention uh, suljhao magar pyar se if i understand correctly means resolve with love and that's very different from the usual toolkit and adr individuals supposed to have you know empathy active listening so on and so forth what is the role that love plays in this and how do you go about applying this in a practical fashion and fair enough so uh, around basically the challenge uh, which you face which you are facing was that the prevalence of an adversarial mechanism or the prevalence of an adversarial way of resolving disputes had become extremely common to india but this was not always the scenario in fact india was an extremely collaborative country which believed in talking cooperating and resolving disputes one of the first instances of collaborative dispute resolution or mediation was mahabharata in the world where lord krishna was trying to mediate between kauravs and pandavas the mediation failed mahabharata happened but it was an attempt to mediation there with respect to generally like property matters people used to go to panchayats for community mediation whenever there was issues between families they used to go to the elders of the family going to courts was considered a blot on one's reputation and that's how that how much collaborative and cooperative we were intrinsically and uh, but after the whole british anglo saxon system of courts came up our perception towards solving disputes or justice became a judge deciding who is right or wrong and i think that is the intent here that you know what we just this is not something new which we need to incorporate we just need to go back to where we belonged resolve disputes with kindness empathy resolve disputes with love and compassion because there's not always someone right or wrong it's always gray right it's not black and white fully some both parties have done some bit wrong so why can't we figure out a middle ground with collaboration there and i think one of the biggest challenges was people do not like people like my parents or for example the non legal people it's not easy to make them understand what mediation is they often get confused respect to the term mediation itself like technically legally what does it mean so jamagar pass is a very simple enough way to convey the meaning of mediation it just means resolve with cooperation that's it 
So that's how the motto stuck. Uh, thank you, Franco. I think that's an excellent way of reaching out to people. And to be able to put the concept of mediation into a nutshell like that is really something. I had a question for you that in terms of what people assume to be bodies that can deliver justice, the conception of the court as that higher authority is, is something that has displaced other alternate forms of justice like panchayats and mediation in other forms that you were speaking of. Would you care to comment on efforts that are now being made to reify these concepts themselves within the Anglo-Saxon system? For example, attempts right. to pass a mediation bill, etc. Right. So, Romit, absolutely. So, again, like when we even also tell, uh, speak to people about mediation, engage with them on mediation, the narrative is not that courts are bad and that's why you should do mediation. The narrative is that if you have a problem or if you have a conflict or a dispute, you try to settle it first, mediate it first. If mediation doesn't work, then you go to court. That is the whole, it's an escalation mechanism, escalation narrative which we are trying to promote here. Courts are not bad. Judges are in fact tremendously working hard. But now courts are also seeing the power of mediation because there have been a lot of examples which have proven the success of mediation in India. For example, Bangalore Mediation Center, BMC, has takes an average of 126 minutes to resolve a case to mediation. Cases which have been pending for years are being solved in two and a half hours and at the center. If you look at one of the biggest disputes in India, whether it's Reliance, Thirubai Ambani, Mukesh Ambani, when they split, Tata Mistri dispute, or when, of the, when, of, when the, one of the biggest law firms in India, Amachand Mangaldas, when they split, they are promoters of litigation and arbitration, but when they split, they did mediation. Infosys dispute, they did mediation. And because all the, their legal teams know this is a smart way of resolving disputes. If you look at the top 1,000 Fortune companies, 95% of them have mediation clauses as a first step. Forget litigation. So this was a very obvious step to take. And now courts are also recognizing it. And they're trying to give that legitimacy and validation to the process of mediation. Because one of the challenges we faced when we used to go and talk to people about mediation was that, is this even a legal process? what is the legal validity of a mediation settlement agreement? And to be honest, it is it is like a contract. So if someone violates it, you can file a specific suit of performance. But if it was a court decree or an arbitral award, you could have filed a contempt order, which is much faster than a specific suit of performance. So courts are, courts are also recognizing, government is also recognizing that if you want to improve ease of doing business in India, if you want to reduce the backlog, we need to promote mediation and we need to give that legitimacy to mediation. And that's what's happening. Like in the, right now, they are deliberating on an Indian mediation law bill, which will be passed, which will give, which will form, which will pass like a uniform mediation act, giving guidelines to all states and giving that legitimacy to the mediation process. In the I think on that point, I'd also like to mention to our audience that one of one of our board of advisors is actually a part of the draft mediation committee set up by the Supreme Court. And um, we have Justice Kanan as part of our board of advisors. And of course, he's been extremely helpful in promoting platforms like Excuria International as well, in, um, well, contributing to this idea of increasing mediation, increasing mediation diversity in India. Coming down to how did you, Pranjal, um, translate this idea of having an academic spirit of mediation, um, increasing 
increasing awareness and um, access to justice to an entrepreneurial venture? How did you manage your time balancing between the hectic life of an entrepreneur and a law student? For those who don't know, um, Brandon Sinha actually initiated ODR Wave and initiated IMW while he was in his third year of law school, which is a five-year course in India. So how did you square this idea of having a 24-7 hustle while getting a quality education? And yeah, I think an uh, extremely relevant question again. Uh, so I think I'll divide this answer into three parts. One is that the first thing, hands down, is the role of mentorship here. Like, so, and, and this is something which whenever I get a chance, just chance to speak with other students, like, it is very important to have a mentor. If you're trying to pursue something, or in general, in respect to guidance, you need someone to reality test your ideas. And I think one of the mentors we found was Justice Pratik Prakash Banerjee, who was the youngest judge in the Calcutta High Court. And uh, he, I think he really, he really gave us that validation which we needed. You know, we are a bunch of 19, 20 years old who read about an idea of online dispute resolution, which is active in UK, US, wanted to explore it in India. But he really helped us make it, you know, customize the idea according to the Indian demographic, the Calcutta demographic. And he served as a soundboard for us. And I think that really helped. So having a mentor at an early stage really gives you like the right direction to go towards. So that was something which was very crucial. The second thing was the college, the conducive atmosphere of the college itself, right? Because if you see NUJS itself with respect to studies, it is not extremely hectic. There are two semesters. Uh, the classes get over by two o'clock or three o'clock. You are in the center of the city, so you have access to all resources. You can take a bus, you can take a car, you can go outside, meet people, meet lawyers, meet judges, get feedback, come back by evening. So I think the conducive atmosphere of NUJS also is very, also encourages people to, to be able to execute entrepreneurship. And I think, I think that's one of the reasons why so many of the legal tech startups in India are from NUJS. <laughs> And the third reason, I think, which was the main reason was that I really like connected to the process of mediation. I think my the value system I had, uh, I always, I think that's, that immediately connected to the process of mediation, whether it's active listening or reframing or empathy. And this seemed like a very humane way of resolving conflicts. And uh, I think and slowly and gradually, the more time we spent reading about mediation, there was a lot of love developed for the process of mediation itself. And I think that really helped in sticking to the process of mediation and figuring out ways just to make it practically implementable. So I think these three things are mentorship, conducive atmosphere of college, and like love and passion for the field itself really helped in converting it into a practical entrepreneurial venture. Well, we understand you've started and co-founded this initiative um, along with two other people. So, yeah. And one of them happens to be an engineer from IIT Kharagpur. How did you go about finding him and involving him within the team. Right. So uh, I think uh, it was in 2015 that uh, I am Calcutta used to host this thing called the Startup Weekend, Google Startup Weekend, where you can go pitch your ideas and there will be a bunch of engineers there and they can choose the ideas they want to work with. Because whatever said and done, the biggest challenge for any tech venture right now is to find the tech support because having in-house technology support is extremely crucial to developing your tech-based venture. And you cannot outsource it because 
one it will be expensive second it will not be supremely reliable one if you have a co-founder who's a technology expert you can make changes on the platform you can make reiterations every day every night you can customize features because you're working together on it so i think that's in i'm calcutta where we are pitching this idea become like this concept of mediation and he really wanted to do something for society and uh, he is from he hails from bihar and he says that you know in bihar panchayats are pretty active and especially in his district of munger where lot of property issues are being settled by panchayats by talking and solving and he really connected that concept of community mediation to what we were trying to promote through odia and we are really grateful for him to join here and uh, we and that's how i think the whole tech aspect of uh, uh, odia this was handled the other my other co-founder is a lawyer uh, who's from nujs itself akshita show and she's like the creative genius behind odia ways because we don't have that uh, the passion of mediation with respect to also knowing how to creatively implement that akshita brings in that expertise and i think that's how the combination of team really works out i think it's brilliant and of course we've heard so many stories about the brilliant trio but what a lot of um people don't know is that vikram actually was working on odr ways while being a graduate from iit kharagpur so he was already an engineer and he worked for years without really having a stable paycheck so what i'm getting at here is universities like nujs and iit kharagpur often almost guarantee a stable paycheck by allowing their students to work in law firms and in at an and in mncs but what was it for you or what was the inspiration behind actually willing to sacrifice that stable paycheck and working on a working full time on a startup right right so uh, absolutely true like i think uh, because when 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 i started working on odr ways i was still in the second year of college and there were four years to experiment and fail without the worry of getting a paycheck without the burden of making revenue because your parents are giving you pocket money so it's and there are no expectations around however for vikram it was a challenge because he had graduated and it was very important for him to figure out what he, what he really wants to do and he had a job at an mnc mnc but i think again there the, these are there are some crazy calls which you take which are not really justified on the basis of reason but you just take it and i think that was one of the calls which he took and he decided to stick and i think we are very grateful to him for that i think respect to the stable incomes i think one of the it also comes from a position of privilege i uh, because i think a lot of people are have to take up jobs because they have student loans or they have family loans and they need to they have an immediate burden to figure it out i think unfortunately i was not in that position and i had the i had three people above me who were taking care of the family so there was enough leeway to experiment and do your own thing secondly within my own family also i saw that um, there's a combination of an entrepreneur who's my mother and other family members who are who are into service and corporates and we really saw that i think my mother was really happy with what she was doing uh, and not to say that they weren't but they were not satisfied with the work which they were doing whereas she was doing it posting it 24/7 coming up with new things and i think that seed was sown very early in my childhood that you know this is if you figure out what you really like you should stick to it and uh, began you should stick to it and you should you just need to figure out a way of how your strength can create value for the society and then the monetization will accordingly follow so i think uh, that seed was always there and uh, so and then then the four four years really helped and by the end of the college we fortunately landed funding on the very last week of last week of nujs so that 
give us assurance to pursue it further. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Pranjal. Uh, I think it speaks a lot about uh, using your privilege for good and especially the public spirited approach that all of you have displayed as founders in trying to get this project off the ground. And I'm glad that you've spoken about funding because that's my next question. When it comes to the idea of funding a startup like this, that's so based on tech independent on tech for ODR, was it a tough job to convince people that this is not just another online service aggregator like Uber or Zomato? And what is it that makes this a unique legal offering? And why is it so important that something like this exists? Right. So I think, uh, again, uh, so the burden of funding was not there in the first four years because anyway, we had to complete college and that all was there. And we were, okay, we were putting, like family was supporting financially a little bit here and there, whatever the respect to hosting of the platform, et cetera. But I think by the time we reached our fifth year, like the, uh, we got to got to know about this amazing organization called Agami, which is a legal tech incubator. And they support legal innovations in India. And I think first we they were able to identify us and on the very last day of college, when we we had a there was this EADR challenge which was organized, which was basically ADR platforms will participate and whoever does a good job, they will they will get an ICSA contract of 10,000 cases. And it happened in Mumbai, and we went there uh, on 5th April, I remember 2019. Uh, there were so many platforms there and we really didn't think that we had a shot. But I think there were a lot of learnings from the last four years which really helped. And then the dots connected. All those meetings which happened in second year, third year, fourth year, Indian Mediation Week, all of them culminated combined. And then when we were pitching, it all, like we were able to address the real questions on the ground. And I think the jury saw that. And that's why we got, I think fortunately, we got the contract of ICICI. And then accordingly, the funding followed. So yeah, I think dots connect uh looking backwards at least so yeah well Pranav, you shared with us some amazing insights into what really um presented the motivation behind starting this sort of startup so firstly finding the right mentor having a conducive environment to take forward that initiative finding your interest in that one thing um which you can really narrow down upon and of course all of this leads to the idea of having fulfillment and containment uh, and this idea of loving what you do and um working towards it so i think that would lead me to talking about the present circumstances so well covid-19 has of course been very unfortunate for a lot of us but it has promoted um online dispute resolution since everything is now being converted to virtual hearings and to the virtual world. So how was it for you considering your entire system is online? Has the pandemic been your moment to shine? And what were the levels of preparedness, success, and maybe even challenges related to COVID-19? So uh, if you look at the, like if you look at industry-wise, okay, if you look at the education sector, financial sector, and the Indian justice system, Financial systems have completely revolutionized. Like, in respect to payments, we are years ahead. We are years ahead of US and UK with respect to our, uh, our UPI system and our different kind of fintechs. Similarly, we have seen a revolutions happening in healthcare sector, education sector. But the justice sector, the Indian judiciary has been extremely resistant to change. Like, if you won't see a lot of innovations or transformations happening in the last 100 years, in the specifically respect to the courts. In fact, if you get a chance to visit the Calcutta High Court, 
the infrastructure is also the same. Like it hasn't modernized much. So I think that was a big challenge because we are trying to promote innovation in a space which is not very acceptable to innovation. But I think the whole pandemic really pushed them because there was no other alternative. Because if you look at dispute resolution or courts, they are no less than an essential service. And access to courts cannot be limited on the basis of this is urgent or this is not urgent because my dispute is urgent to me. It's as simple as that. And I need you to give me a possible recourse to that. So I think a lot of, for the first nine months, we only had one single client. But I think during pandemic, a lot of other enterprises, legal teams also looked at ODR, not just as only online dispute resolution, but as the only dispute resolution mechanism which was available. And they reached out to us and now we have an active portfolio of 10 clients ranging from e-commerce companies such as OLS, to NBC's Australian Finance, uh, FinTechs. So a lot of these legal teams who are very familiar with litigation or comfortable with local dalits are shifting to online mediation, online arbitration platforms. Last week on June 5th, Niti Ayog, in, uh, they did a stakeholder meeting with Agami where the group general councils of Ola, OLX, Swiggy, Zomato, uh, Justice Chanduchu, Justice Indu Malhotra, they all came and they said that, you know what, ODR is extremely solid and legitimate way to resolve conflicts. And we believe in the validity and uh, validity and the legitimacy of this. And any settlement or arbitral award which comes out of an ODR platform will have our approval. So that kind of uh, validation from the topmost court of India really promotes the ODR sector in whole. So we are definitely seeing that people are shifting towards ODR. And we genuinely think because ODR as a process is so powerful that after COVID, they will stick to it. And it will become the, it will become the new normal. Right. Uh, thank you very much, Anjo. Uh, for our audience at large, it's important to note that Niti Aayog is basically your government's preeminent policy and think tank. So it really influences what your executive is going to do. And all the judges mentioned are sitting justices of the Indian Supreme Court. And not to forget, because this is a discussion surrounding ODR, OLX is an online buying and selling platform, just like eBay, which in fact originated the concept of ODR and dispute resolution in and of itself. And now just talking about the urgencies and urgent questions that have been brought up regarding ODR, especially because it is the only outlet right now, what would you have to say about concerns that individual practitioners have raised? For example, the efficacy of being able to do a witness cross-examination in an arbitration. Are these genuine concerns or hurdles, or is ODR a sufficient mechanism to conduct proceedings regardless? Right. So, um, so I understand that this is something new, right? And uh, any change in status quo will always bring in resistance from the practitioners. But I think my sincere request to them is to give it one shot, right? So even a lot of mediators, we have around right now around 650 mediators, arbitrators in 85 cities. A lot of them, like 40% of them are above the age group of 50. And they were not always very familiar with using technology, video conferencing to mediation arbitration, but they're adapting. We have no alternative but to adapt. So there is no point saying that, you know what, this, this is not a great solution. This might have some technical issues. We need to figure it out, figure out a way to adapt to this solution. It is, you know, it's a very common line which which is said by a technology advisor that you, they often say that you know India has a very strong digital divide. So there's a lot of people who do not have internet or do not have the 
who are not comfortable with technology how will you make sure that odia reaches them and the very simple answer to that is they are using whatsapp they are using facebook they are using tiktok so it is not that people are not comfortable with technology if people are not using odia it's probably because the technology is not comfortable with the person so it is our burden as odia platform providers to design the technology design the platform in a manner which is easy for them to use and that's it and that will keep happening as we solve more cases get feedback and find a, uh, a product market fit so that is respect to the apprehensions of technology there because the kind of cases which you are seeing getting solved in the platform range from definitely the most suitable ones being small to medium size matters loan disputes payment matters check bonds issues seller by issues but we are also seeing matrimonial issues which are highly emotional matters getting settled on mediation so definitely there is scope here of odr being used for various kinds of disputes i think you raised a very pertinent point there pranjul that um, right now india or even abroad we don't have the right technology to um, well have odr on scales which we want to and that is up to the service providers and the technology experts to develop um technology within the legal field itself yes, yeah. so as a last question to um this interview you are often said to be mediating in real life conversations with friends and family is this a personality trait which you have cautiously developed considering you work in the field or one which is just come with the job <laughs> uh so uh, i think uh so uh, there's this person called uh, justice dale weinstein and he's the one of the co-founders of jams uh, usa and i remember reading in second year about his his thing that me the beauty of the process of mediation is not just that it resolves disputes or it uh, it's very fast or it's very efficient uh, or it's confidential etc all the standard selling points it's not just that it after mediation process it's such an empowering process that it actually makes you a one person better human being than you are because the core principles of mediation right active listening reframing empathy have been so useful to me in my personal life because the i i got formally introduced to them uh, in my mediation trainings but when i saw you know in real life and when i used to play for example when my mother she used to went about something that's happening in the family all she needed was active listening nothing else or when my friend is uh, complaining about something which is happening he or she doesn't need my advice they just need acknowledgement and i think those were some very uh, small things which mediation or mediation process was teaching reframing lot of people like when you're in a negative situation you you tend to focus on the negative aspects but you can really reframe it to positive and i think that really helps so these core skills of mediation i think has helped me improve my personal life and i think one of the other challenges young mediators face is that we don't get cases because people don't trust us with uh, their matters they will always go to the uh, old experienced mediators even though if you are trained and all so i think so this is also an avenue to practice your mediation skills because if you're not getting cases might as well practice mediation in personal life so yeah i think that this way mediation really became like a inculcated part of my uh, nature and it's still i'm still trying to integrate it further because i think it really helps like the process is extremely powerful not just for conflict resolution but actually for conflict prevention conflicts won't happen if everyone has a mediative mediation mindset so yeah we strongly believe in that you spoke about jan and his and the organization founder 
for the benefit of our audience, could you tell us more about your Jams Fellowship, your journey, how to apply, and what really helped you become the youngest Jams Fellow of India? Yeah. So, uh, I think uh, Jams we all knew about. So, Jams is one of the only, a lot of these ADR centers are not for profits. Jams is the only for-profit private center which makes a brilliant revenue and it's extremely well-known for its services and is in operation since 1980s. So Jams has this fellowship under Justice Weinstein where they say that, you know what, uh, we want to promote the culture of mediation across the world and uh, give us a proposal where you will come to Jams, learn from Jams and come back and implement our practices. And we need to see that you are committed to the process of mediation. So I think I stumbled upon Jams Fellowship uh, in the fourth year of my college life. It came as a Google alert on my email that this thing is happening. So uh, I was, and I saw, and I, it really connected because here is an opportunity to go learn the best practices of mediation in the world, come back to India and implement it. And that's what we always wanted to do. We want to make ODR ways somehow the level of what Jams has reached. And how can we do that? How can we learn from their case management practices? What is their code of conduct? How do they manage uh, business models? How do they speak to clients? I think all of those were extremely crucial for me to make ODR be successful in India. And I think that was my that was the key intent of my proposal. It was based on, I also want to learn how mediations are happening there, but I also want to learn the business side of JAMS, like how you are administering the you know, JAMS ADR center. And I think for some reason, they saw value in that proposal and the, uh, the, the, the jury was very kind again. And, uh, so you, you send a proposal and then they shortlist you and, uh, they select one person from each country and then there's an interview around and that interview happened. And then, uh, in March, they gave the honored me with the fellowship and, uh, yeah, that's how the process worked. The big one challenge which I faced was that students are not allowed to apply for that fellowship. So, so, uh, and that's, it is, it's in the eligibility criteria because you cannot get a J1 visa, which is a fellowship visa, and you can only get it once you are a graduate. And they figured this out later after granting me the fellowship and it became quite a, so they had to pause me. So I had to hold it for one year and I can, I could, so I could go to, for the fellowship only last year after finishing my college, not in my fourth year of college. So that is one, like. Uh, one like one question, one one thing, which one funny thing which happened during the process. But I think the whole jams experience, like they give you a chance to shadow brilliant mediators, mediators such as Bruce Edwards, John Bates, like who you, you are really legends because parties come in the morning and it's a million dollar uh, dispute, and they're like, we are not going to settle this. I am going to take him to court. And in the evening, by eight o'clock, both of them are sitting together and writing the settlement agreement. And that is the beauty of the process. In one day, those mediators, not by advising, just by, you know, shuttling, reframing, listening, they're able to make parties reach a settlement. And I think that was the quality of mediation which took place there is, is a dream. And we really want to implement that same standards in India here. Thank you very much, Rachel. I think you've really effectively walked us through the magic of mediation and the JAMS Fellowship in particular. And thank you very much for being here with us today. And having you here is, is such a humbling presence. We've, we've seldom come across somebody who's described law school to be such a breeze. And then their entrepreneurial journey 
always, like even with the Jams Fellowship, attributing ultimate success to some other reason. So we're really grateful that you've been here with us today. And we've covered many, many things. We've spoken about ADR and online dispute resolution in general, the particular need for it during this pandemic, and of course, how it works towards expanding access to justice for all. And we've not just left it at that, but we've also explored the concept of whose responsibility expanding this access should be. And of course, you being based in India, you've granted us a bird's eye view into how online dispute resolution is evolving in the Indian field. So we thank you very much for joining us today and being our first ever guest on this podcast. It's been a pleasure working with you and learning so very much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Roman. Thank you.